All right, good evening, church. Good to be in church tonight, and uh, good to be here. Yeah, I hope you had a good afternoon. I think winter has officially set in. I think it's definitely uh, definitely that time of the year. And uh, we're uh, actually going to leave for Longreach in about three weeks' time from tomorrow, so please bring in prayer for that if you would. And I think it's probably similar to the um, climate in uh, Kingaroy there, Brother brother Phil, and uh, pretty chilly out that direction also. And uh, be, uh, just be in prayer for that if you would. And uh, just as we head out there, uh, last word I've heard, we have about 80 people heading out to Longreach. And so I think, I hope we don't scare the town. It's only about, <laughs> it's only about three or 4,000 people there. So, and I think we'll, uh, it's probably more of a uh, multi-church camp type of thing and have good fellowship and we have meetings on Wednesday and Thursday night. And uh, we'll hit different towns of Longreach, Winton, Bark Holden, Blackall, and a few other ones around that area. So uh, if you would be in prayer for that. And then about a week and a half on the 16th of June, I'll be heading down to Sydney to join uh, Pastor Tom Gonderman. Him and I and a host of others from Faith Baptist Church are heading out to Mudgee, which is west of Sydney, and holding a bit of an outreach happening there on the, at that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So uh, if you would be in prayer for that also, as Brother Tom uh, looks to uh, do some outreach uh, from his area there in Sydney, out west. And of course, he's been up in the northern part of New South Wales for the last several months doing some work in Inverell and other places there. And so uh, praise the Lord uh, for that song the lady sang. Thanks for that as we uh, take the light of the gospel into our country and across, across the world. Brother Halawadi, thank you for that update and uh, just seeing uh, God's lights. People need light. They need hope. And uh, praise the Lord that uh, it's not us. It, we have the answer. The answer is Jesus Christ. And we just thank the Lord uh, that we have the opportunity and the privilege of doing that. You know, understand that God could have uh, chosen any means to get his word out, but he's chosen us, and we just thank the Lord for that, and it's a great privilege to serve him. We'll turn your Bible to Ecclesiastes chapter number 9. Thanks to Nathan for reading this for us tonight. And uh, I don't know how you felt, and it wasn't Nathan in particular. It's just the, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes it can be a bit of a, uh, maybe a depressing book. I don't know if you're familiar at all with Ecclesiastes, but um, you read those verses like, oh, okay, now what? I mean, what, what, what do we do? And so it's probably this book is not the first book you run to when you need some comfort and some uh, encouragement in life. And Brother uh, Robin did a, a wonderful job this morning just bringing uh, forth that psalm for us. And that was a great encouragement. And we often run to the Psalms, to the Proverbs, uh, for wisdom in life, uh, run to the Psalms for encouragement. But Ecclesiastes was, was written, obviously, by King Solomon about a thousand years before the birth of Christ, and uh, chock full of wisdom. And it's, it's a great book, really get into it. And I guess the older I get, personally, the more I enjoy it. The more I enjoy Ecclesiastes, it is God's Word. So there's something there for us. And again, it may not be uh, something that uh, we run to automatically and, and as an encouragement. And again, if you, if you read any verse, really, there's a couple of verses that you probably heard sermons uh, from. Example is chapter 12, the latter part of this uh, book, uh, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for it's the whole duty of man. And I've heard several sermons in relation to that verse there, and that's probably one of a uh, more familiar verse. <clears throat> but most of the... Uh, most of these verses, I'm sure, may be unfamiliar to you, and we don't really dig into it because when you first read it, it's like, uh, you know, again, a bit, uh, can be a bit discouraging and like, okay, where is it going from here? So, uh, but my intent tonight, again, is just to give you a brief uh, understanding and a little bit of an outline here from chapter nine in particular. Um, again, this is, this is a, uh, an autobiography written by King Solomon, so you're going to uh, see throughout this book, and we'll jump around different chapters and verses here in a, mo in a moment, <clears throat> but... Uh, 
you'll see a lot of personal pronouns. And uh, King Solomon here is actually the word Ecclesiastes, that we get the word ecclesia from, means a called out assembly. And so uh, King Solomon is really what's happening here in this book. He's talking to himself. And uh, this is written more in the latter part of his life as he's looking back upon life and making observations. And uh, King Solomon wrote uh, Proverbs and, of course, Song of Solomon throughout his uh, early on in his life. And uh, we can obviously gain wisdom. And as you think of Song of Solomon, the love uh, book there in God's Word. And so a little bit of a different flavor, obviously, with Ecclesiastes compared to the other two books that he has written. And again, uh, taking uh, more of the end of his life, looking back at his life and seeing his mistakes and just kind of making observations, talking to himself out loud, making a practical conclusion. And that's very applicable for us today as we think about this. And uh, this book, Ecclesiastes, captures really the life of every human being's existence. And uh, we were made in the image of God. And one of the aspects of that is we're rational human beings. We're meaning makers. We want life to make sense to us. Is that, is that a fair statement? We look at that. We look at life and we want to make, sure make sense of it. Why, what, what, means, what does this mean and what does that mean? In fact, you, if, you, if you're a, a parent of a young child, how many times a day did they ask a certain word? Why? <laughs> it's just it's natural. Little kids want to understand the life around them. They, why, Daddy? Why, Mommy? Why is this? Why is that? Why is that? And it's like, drive me nuts. Stop it. Will but that's what happens. And even as adults, we ask why ourselves, don't we? We don't, may, maybe don't say it in that, uh, in that tone or maybe repetitively like that, but we want to we understand why. We want to make sense of life. And really, think about it. Everyone is a theologian. Everyone's an archaeologist, and everybody's a philosopher to some degree. And while you and I will dig through the mound of your existence to make some sense out of life. And understand uh, that everyone searches for hope. And uh, in fact, there's a, a triad of three things that every person needs in this life. And that is uh, one of them is hope, the other one is faith, and the third one is love. And you'll find those three together a lot in the scriptures. And every person in this room and on this earth, seven billion people need those three things. They need love. They need somebody to love them unconditionally. And uh, you, you can, have, you can uh, have people like and love you until they start knowing more about you. Then they start leaving the room. <laughs> all right, but God knows all about you, and he loves you just the same. People need unconditional love. Next, people need faith. They need somebody to believe in. You think of all the superhero movies that have come out in recent years, Marvel and, and different ones, and you know, somebody, people need somebody to believe in. And then hope. People need hope. And hope is one of the, the biggest things doctors rely on in somebody getting better. The hope of getting better. It's a powerful thing. So every person needs those three things, and, and we, people are searching for hope. Everyone is going to hook their hope into something. You want to be hopeful. Everyone looks for truth. Everyone searches for fulfillment. And what Ecclesiastes says to us is that, you know what? Everything in this world will fail you. It will fail you. This created world has never, was never designed to satisfy that deeper longing, that deeper hunger for identity and for meaning and satisfaction. All the success in the world doesn't do that. And that's the theme in Ecclesiastes that we're searching for and can't be found under the sun. And we're going to cover a couple of words here in a minute about different phrases that are unique to Ecclesiastes. Under the sun is one of them. And uh, 
But understand that ultimately, meaning is only found in God. We were made for him, and our hearts will only ever be satisfied, and our minds will only rest in union with him. Understand that sin causes me to look elsewhere for meaning and hope. Sin makes me think that I can be and do what I cannot be and cannot do on my own. Sin causes me to worship at the foot of things that I was never meant to worship. And I guess if you were to say, uh, what's a, maybe a one verse or a theme that would encapsulate the idea of Ecclesiastes? And I would say this here, Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Don't turn there, I'll read it to you. Luke 12, 15 says this, And he said unto them, this is Christ speaking, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And that's what King Solomon is really honing in on here. He's looking back at his life in chapter 2. We don't have time to read it this evening, but I encourage you to read chapter 2 as King Solomon lists for us readers. As he goes through his life and he said, I got this, I got this, I got this, and I got everything I ever, my heart ever wanted. And it all boils down to vanity. It's all vanity and vexation of spirit. So as you read through Ecclesiastes, it can be a little bit of a downer. And you understand that what well, is a reason for that. Because if we look at life solely with the perspective of things under the sun, which means things on this earth, it is depressing. It is uh, bewildering. It's, uh, we try to figure life out. We can't figure it out. And so we need to tonight, I'm encouraging you to put on the lens of God's words and look at life through the word, the lens of God's word. Chapter 9, we'll uh, read these uh, few verses here. And we'll, again, jump around to uh, a few different uh, portions of Scripture within Ecclesiastes, and we'll jump over to Genesis uh, later on uh, in, in, the, in the message. <clears throat> But here, uh, in chapter 9, again, another conclusion that King Solomon came to is the fact that, you know what, there's much that nobody can understand, let alone control in life. And from the human point of view, it's all vanity and folly. Understand, you know, a lot of people don't understand, 7 billion people in the world today, you know, we don't understand that life itself is a gift of God. To be able just to live and enjoy His creation, to breathe His air, to enjoy things in life, it's simply a gift from God. And really, it's two ways to be rich. You can be, you can, uh, there's two ways to be rich in life. Number one, you can simply have what you want. Or number two, you can want what you have. Just simply be satisfied with what you have. Here in chapter 9, verse number 1, let's read this together as we go through this. In, in fact, chapter 9, verses 5 through 12 is kind of our text uh, verses for this evening. But we'll read uh, again uh, down through this, starting verse number 1. It says, For all this I considered in my heart, even to declare all this. So this is uh, Solomon towards the end of the book. Of course, we have a few more chapters to go, but uh, he's considering all this uh, as he's written down. In this autobiography, in God's word for us this evening. And he says, I consider it in my heart even to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? That's how we often say that phrase, you know, it's in God's hands. And it is. But it's, it's, not, it's not a uh, trite saying. It's, it's not a, uh, just a uh, simple saying. It's, it's God's word. You know, your life is in God's hands. It's in God's hands are in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. So no man knoweth 
either blessing or sorrow that's before you. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And we often say this, we, we don't know what tomorrow holds, we know who holds tomorrow. And God knows what's up ahead in your life. We don't know what's up ahead. We don't know whether it's blessing or sorrow. We don't understand that. We, 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 can't, we try to figure it out. We try to plan for it. And we'll get to later on tonight that uh, you know, life is full of unexpected happenings. But here we understand that uh, <clears throat> the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked. All right, and we want to take a guess what that event is? It's death. Yeah, again, we don't like talking about death, do we? I mean, it's kind of a depressing subject. We're not at a funeral tonight. We're, you know, we're at a church service, understand? But uh, here, this is God's word. And understand that uh, you know, death is unavoidable. We, we all face it. It's our last enemy. And, but if you're a Christian tonight, if you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have nothing to fear. Amen. Nothing to fear at all. Because that, that enemy has been conquered for you. For those who are not saved, they have something to fear. They have something to fear. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean and to the unclean, to him that sacrificeth and to him that sacrificeth not. As is the good, so is the sinner. And he that sweareth as he that feareth an oath. There's an evil among all things that are done under the sun. There's that phrase again. That there is one event unto all. Yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live. Doesn't that describe 2021? You look at the world around you today. <laughs> I mean, this is written a thousand years before Christ was born, but that is so up to date. You think about what's happening in the world today. The heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live. There's madness in the world. It's mad in the world today. It really is. It's insane. And uh, the more you go along in life, the, the more thankful you are that you're not part of that system. And uh, I know for those, again, who are saved or Christians, uh, part of God's family, you know, we're just simply pilgrims passing through. We don't belong here. We're here for a reason, a purpose, and for a job to do to serve our Savior, Jesus Christ. But uh, you know what? We don't belong here. I'm thankful we don't because the world is mad. And after that, they go to the dead. For to him that is joined to all the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. Here's a few uh, words that are, are a bit maybe uh, unique to the, this book of Ecclesiastes. The first word is this, vanity. Vanity of vanities. In fact, uh, King Solomon opens up <clears throat> this book in chapter 1, in verse number 1 and 2 and 3. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? This word vanity is used approximately 38 times in this book. All right, the word means emptiness, futility, vapor. I think of uh, some of those kids, some of the kids may have the little bottle bubbles. You stick your wand in there, you know, pull it out and blow the bubbles and the bubbles fly around and, and then, then they pop. And then that, that's it. That's vanity. You know, it, that's, that's what this word means. It, it's simply, it's there, but there's no, no substance to it. No substance. Whatever is left after you break a soap bubble. Again, from the human point of view, now understand, this, I love this book because it brings balance to life. It brings balance, and I, and I think as Christians, we need to have balance in everything that we do. And this brings really balance to our Christian life. To understand, yes, we live under the sun. We live here on this earth, 
But uh, we not need to view everything as if we're living here under the sun. We view things through things that are over the sun, and uh, it brings a great balance to life. The American poet, by uh, a fellow by the name of Carl Sandburg, said this: compared, he compared life to an onion, and you peel it off one layer at a time, and sometimes you weep. And another uh, British playwright, George Bernard Shaw, said this, that life was a series of inspired follies. Again, it's, you know, we look at life through the lens of under the sun. It is indeed that. You think of your neighbors, they live in a neighborhood. You know, we have neighbors in our neighborhood, and, and I watch them uh, there as they leave in the morning, they come back, and, and, and uh, I think about their life, and you think about what they're living for. You know, whether trying to pay off their house or paying off their kids' uh, university fees or whatever the case is. And, and uh, you think at the end of the life, what, what, is, what is life all about? What is life all about? And that's what this book really, uh, really focuses, focuses in on is what is life really about? Why are we here? Why are we here? So vanity of vanities. Another word that we see uh, here is, again, the phrase under the sun, only used here in this book of Ecclesiastes. Used 29 times. <clears throat> it defines the outlook of the writer as he looks at life from a human perspective and not necessarily from heaven's point of view. He applies his own wisdom and experience to the complex human situation and tries to make some sense out of life. Understand, the wisest man, King Solomon, that ever lived outside of Jesus Christ could not figure life out. All right, neither can we. Neither can we. So we heard a, a message this morning about trusting about trusting the Lord, living by faith, trusting him. It is only as a man takes account of that which is over the sun as well as that which is under the sun that things under the sun are seen in their true light. Does that make sense? Make sure you have the right glasses on, the right lens on as you look at life. The word labor, another word, the word labor used 23 times in this book. It means to toil to the point of exhaustion and yet experience little or no fulfillment in your work. You ever have a day like that? You, 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 you work, you work, and the end of the day comes, he's like, man, what have I done today? You just kind of spin your wheels, nothing real accomplished. And you know, I, I'm the type of guy I like to like, get things done, just accomplish things. And sometimes I have bad days where you just, man, what, what, I, I spun my wheels today, but I get nothing done. And understand that your labor is never in vain in the Lord. It's never in vain. We may have vain days on earth, and we do, all of us do. We have vain days, and it's a wasted day. And, but when you work for the Lord, it's never in vain. It's never in vain. So the word labor. The word, uh, another word is wisdom, and a very familiar word, uh, also found in Proverbs and other places in the Scripture. But the word wisdom is used uh, 32 different uh, times uh, in reference uh, to, to this. Uh, Obviously, uh, again, uh, as a, the preacher or the uh, King Solomon here wraps up this, uh, this book there in, in chapter 12, verse 13, fear God and keep his commandments and uh, living in, in the fear of God and living in his wisdom. So wisdom, labor, under the sun, <clears throat> and vanity of vanities. So what's the practical application of this book for us today, tonight? Is uh, this book nothing but an interesting exhibit in a religious museum, or does it have a message for people in the Affirmation age? And uh, in fact, it is a message for us tonight and for today. After all, the society which Solomon investigated 
a thousand years before the birth of Christ was not too different from our world today. Solomon saw injustice to the poor. He saw crooked politics. He saw incompetent leaders. He saw guilty people allowed to commit more crime, materialism, and desire for the good old days. That sounds pretty up to date, doesn't it? Sure does. And so uh, how can we apply these things to our life today? First I have tonight is this. The first point I have is we need to, to look at life through the lens of God's word. We need to excel in the things of God. Excel in the things of God. Read verse number 5 and 6 together. <clears throat> there in chapter 9 of Ecclesiastes. Verse number 5. For the living know that they shall die. I believe every person that's honest understand that. If you're alive tonight, you understand that you're going to face death. If God doesn't come back before that. But the dead know not anything. It's pretty simple, straightforward. If somebody passes on, uh, their opportunity to make a difference for the Lord in life is over. It's done. Once a person passes on, that opportunity is no more. It's no more. Neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished. Neither have there any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. Another phrase there is a portion. You have a, your portion God's given you. I have my portion. We all have different portions God's given us. Different uh, upbringings, backgrounds, uh, understanding, different uh, levels of life. And we're all from different backgrounds. And that's your portion God's given you. Some grew up in a city. Some grew up in a country. Some grew up in different parts of the world. And God's given you that portion of your life for a reason. He's given you a unique blueprint to be used for him. But once we understand, once a person passes from this life to the next, they have no more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. And so the point being here is this. We need to seize every opportunity. Seize it. Excel in the things of God while you still have breath, while you still have life. Take advantage of that because we understand the... Uh, Average lifespan is 70 years. Some live older, some, some die younger. But God's given you a portion in this life. He's given you, the uh, Bible says in the book of Psalms, we number our days. We don't know when our time, our appointment with death is. We don't know when that is. But tonight we're all still living. We're awake, hopefully. We're breathing. And, uh, you know, we have life. We have life in our lungs. Let's, let's, let's seize that and excel in the things of God. My understanding is, <clears throat> I got a, a few brothers back in the States that uh, run businesses, and uh, every year I know they, they gather the employees together, and they try to figure out what they can do more for that next year. Got one brother who's a plumber, and just rang him the other day, had a chat with him, and uh, he, his uh, business is growing, and another guy, another brother of mine, he's, uh, he works in, in uh, vermiculture. He recycles uh, worm manure and dirt, all kinds of stuff. He, that type of guy. And so, uh, but every, they have employees and every year, I was talking to my brother Phil, his name is Phil. And I said, you know, Phil, how's things going with your business there? He said, oh, I have some more employees. And, and uh, he's telling me some goals he has for, uh, you know, of course, they're halfway through the year already, just about. But he says, I have some goals for the end of this year I want to try to accomplish. And, you know, you think of any business, you think of Woolies or Coles or Big W or Kmart, they, they, they have uh, members meetings. They get together and try to figure out how they can improve their customer relations. How can they push their product more? They always want to excel their business. Well, why can't we as Christians? Why can't we excel in the things of God? I'm not saying, you know, have a business meeting. You know, you know, it's a different level. We understand that. But the, thing, the point being is this. We need to constantly be 
uh, abounding in the work of the Lord. That's the point. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always pushing forward. Always excelling in the things of God. For what shall I profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? In Mark 8, 36. The question for you tonight is, are you worshiping those things that are under the sun or for those things that are over the sun? I understand we're under the sun. We have businesses. We have bills to pay. I'm not, you know, we're not, again, it's bringing the balance to this. We, we're not, we understand that. We have to have businesses, make money, pay bills, so on and so on. But the point being is, what's your priority in life? What are you focusing on? Are we excelling in the things of God? Are we looking for ways to serve him more, to love him more, to learn more about him personally, collectively? Paul wrote uh, several times in his letters about uh, some of his associates in, in his ministry. There in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, it says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. When you start living for and worshiping prosperity and pleasure instead of what God wants, you begin to look at life from the wrong perspective, from things under the sun and not above the sun, instead of seeking those things which are above. The wrong vision soon causes you to adopt wrong values, and you stop living for the eternal. The result is disappointment and defeat. The only remedy is repentance and confession. Understand that when we stand before God one day, we want to be able to say, thank God that I did not wish I had. Again, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We need to consider this life, this opportunity of life as an investing time, investments. And we, we all have, I'm sure, certain investments in life, physical investments, whether in stocks and bonds and the stock market and you know, whatever, you, you, you fill the blank in. But understand that we need to invest in spiritual matters. Solomon's, again, emphasizing the importance of seizing opportunities while we live rather than blindly hoping for something better in the future because death will end our opportunities on this earth. So let's excel in the things of God. Number two is this. Number two is enjoy life. And here brings the balance here for us. Enjoy life. There in verse number seven. King Solomon says this, Go thy way. Eat thy bread with joy. And drink thy wine with a merry heart, for God now accepteth thy works. Let me read a few verses to you here in the book of Ecclesiastes. Flick over to chapter 2, verse 24. I should have read this, these first, but it's okay. Uh, chapter 2, verse 24. And notice, so we understand, again, chapter 2, verses 1 down to verse 20 is, uh, again, all of King Solomon's uh, material, earthly possessions and what he focused on in life. But then he brings a balance to this. So, so there, verse 24, chapter 2, there's nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. Chapter 3, verse 12. I know that there is no good in them but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. Here it is. It is the gift of God. Chapter 5, verse 18 and 19. <clears throat> As we push on here. Chapter 5, verse 18. Behold that which I have seen. All right, he's making an observation. It is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor. 
that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life which God giveth him, for it is his portion. And then chapter 8, verse 15. <clears throat> chapter 8, verse number 15. Then I commended mirth, because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat and to drink and to be merry. For that shall abide with him of his labor the days of his life, which God giveth him under the sun. Again, in chapter 9, there we read verse number 7. Our text uh, verse, Go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine with a merry heart, for God now accepteth thy works. Understand, God's given us life to enjoy. You know, because of the fact that, uh, you know, we look at life and what, what we have here on this earth, and it can sometimes, sometimes become discouraging and depressing sometimes, but the same token, look at it as a gift from God. It's a gift from God. We need to enjoy life. The blessings of the Lord, in Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. How about this verse in John chapter 10, verse 10? I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Understand, God's given us things in life to enjoy. To enjoy. I'm thankful there's different types of food. You know, I'm not a vegetarian. I just like everything. If it's there, I'll eat it. If it's edible, I'll eat it. So I'm thankful that we have, you know, God's given us a variety of food. Now, of course, man's come along and messed it up a little bit. All this processed stuff and, and ice cream. That's, that's probably God made, I think, ice cream. I don't know. But, uh, you know, all, all these things in life, we have a variety of food. And I'm thankful we can enjoy that. It's, in fact, King Solomon says here, um, eat thy bread with joy. Have, have a great time eating. You know, I think all, we all do. I think it shows. We all have a great time eating. All right? We all, we all enjoy that. We all enjoy festivities. I went to a birthday party uh, last night, and it's a great time. Fellowship, food, you know, singing, just a great, nothing wrong with that. God's given that to us to enjoy, that we might have life more abundantly. So it's not the fact that we go around all depressed and, and all, you know, sad and woe is me and, you know, man, this life just stinks and <laughs> that's not what it's about. All right? And this brings a balance to life. We don't live for this, but it's there for our enjoyment. Understand that. All right, we need to enjoy life. Enjoy life. And a couple of things here. Uh, verse 7 again, we need to enjoy happy, leisurely meals. Enjoy your meals. King Solomon sat down to a daily feast. Understand, he was a rich king. All right, but there's evidence that he didn't always enjoy it. <laughs> a couple of verses he writes here in Proverbs 17, verse 1, he says, Better is a dry morsel in quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife. He said, man, I'd rather have some quietness and little bits of pieces of food than a whole palace, a whole kingdom full of meat, sacrifices, and strife. And so understand that, you know, it, uh, through life, not every meal, some of the meals are a bit tense with family and all that, I understand that. But, you know, we're given meals and that time to enjoy in life, to enjoy in life. Enjoy every occasion. Verse number 8 of Ecclesiastes chapter 9, let thy garments be always white, which represents... Uh, you know, festivity. Let it always be white. And let thy head lack no ointment. Nothing wrong with, you know, having uh, parties and just enjoying, enjoying life. Go to the theme parks and uh, enjoy roller coasters, whatever you enjoy doing. And God's given mankind wisdom to build these things, to uh, construct these things, to produce these things for our enjoyment. It's a gift of God. Don't forget that. It's not, it's not man's wisdom. It's God's given him that wisdom. It's all about him. It's all about God. But enjoy life. Nothing wrong with enjoying life. You know, we're called to enjoy life. 
Now, we're not talking about, you know, running and taking the rope and run with it and just, you know, we're not talking about sin and all that. We're talking about just enjoying life. Enjoy every occasion. The verse number nine, for those who are married, enjoy, enjoy your marriage. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life of thy vanity, which she hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity, for that is thy portion in this life, and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. I understand that everybody's married and that everybody will be married. But the point being is that we need to enjoy the portions God's given you. He's given you. He's given you a family. He's given you a family. He's given you a wife. Wife's given you a husband. Enjoy that. Enjoy that relationship. It's a gift from God. It's a gift. There, uh, King Solomon says, Proverbs 18, verse 22, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtain the favor of the Lord. And John o says, Amen. <laughs> All right. Find it a good thing. A prudent wife is from the Lord. Proverbs 19, verse 14. And it's really too bad Solomon didn't live up to his own ideals. He forsook God's pattern for marriage and then allowed his many wives to seduce him from the Lord. But understand that we need to enjoy our marriage. And in verse number 10, enjoy your work. Yes, young people, that's what the Bible says. Enjoy work. All right, it says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Why? For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Look, we got to seize the opportunity. The, 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 it's daytime right now. The night cometh when no man can work. To understand, man, if you're breathing tonight, if you're living, we need to really capitalize on this. And whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Just jump in full bore. Just grab a hold of it and run with it and get it done for the Lord. Enjoy your work. Understand that Jewish people looked at, upon work not as a curse, but as a stewardship from God. All right, do what I might suggest two things. Do your very best and do it while you still have strength. Do your very best. So we need to enjoy life. Again, life is not a boredom of, you know, it's not monotony. It's not, you know, oh, what was me? It, it's just we need to, we're called to enjoy life. And lastly tonight, so uh, <clears throat> first one is excel in the things of God. Secondly, enjoy life. And thirdly is this, we need to expect the unexpected in life. Expect the unexpected. Life is extremely unpredictable. There in verse number 11, <clears throat> life is unpredictable. I return and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in the evil nets, and as the birds that are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in the evil time when it falleth suddenly upon them. Can you testify to that, those verses there? That life is unexpected. You know, we, we don't expect things to happen. We plan for things. And understand the Bible says in Proverbs 19, verse 6, I believe the reference is that uh, man's heart deviseth his ways, but the Lord directeth his steps. And to know that, you know, we, we may plan, look forward in the future as we should, but life will often throw what we call curveballs and it hits you and it sideswipes you. And T-bones you. And life is unexpected. 
and when to expect the unexpected. While it is generally true that the fastest runners win the races, the strongest soldiers win the battles, and the smartest and most skillful workers win the best jobs, it is also true that these same gifted people can fail miserably because of factors out of their control. The successful person knows how to make the most of time and procedure, but only the Lord can control time and chance. Have you ever heard somebody ever say, oh, you know what, my abilities will carry me through this life? And that's no guarantee. That's no guarantee. For a time and chance happen to them all. We're all subject to that. Face life honestly. Here, as we close in the book of Genesis chapter 37, we'll turn there. <clears throat> and we'll see a little bit of a story in regard to this. And then we'll, <clears throat> we'll wrap it up here for tonight. The book of Genesis, chapter 37, as we think about uh, unexpected things happening in life and, and uh, this uh, happening happened to a, uh, a, fellow, a fellow that we're familiar with, to Joseph, <clears throat> chapter number 37. And I think this uh, illustrates the point uh, very precisely here. The 37th chapter of Genesis, and uh, this is after, we won't read the whole chapter, but uh, this is after uh, Joseph has his dreams and he proclaims his dreams to his uh, father and his brethren. <clears throat> and then, uh, of course, there's a bit of a jealousy brewing in the hearts of his brethren. You know the story there. And uh, verse number 11, and his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying, and here's the story goes, and his brethren went to feed their flock, their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem. Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren, and with, well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a certain man found him. And behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What, what seekest thou? And he said, I, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence. Notice these words, For I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. See what's taking place there? Here's a bit of a, uh, maybe something that <laughs> came unexpectedly to Joseph's life. He, Joseph, not one negative thing said about him in Scripture. He was a sinner, obviously, and he had doubts and fears that like everybody else would have had and does today. But um, understand that I, I think Joseph probably looked at the, back in that day, and when everything started unfolding in his life, he, he probably thought, you know what? Why did I meet that crazy guy in the field anyways? I came across this, this a bit of a, uh, uh, a happenstance, a bit of an unexpected meeting of this guy, and this guy just happened to hear, he just happened to hear my brethren say where they were going. And you think about your own life. If I just left five minutes sooner, if I just, if I just this, if I just that, Life is unexpected. It was unexpected for Joseph here. We understand what happened after this. Man, his whole life just took a total turn. Was it in God's hand? Yes, it was. It certainly was. God had a plan for him. But looking at it from under the sun, 
from a human perspective, Joseph would have said, what in the world's going on? I didn't expect this. My father asked me to go see my brother in do. When I found this guy randomly in a field walking around, he asked, I asked him, hey, he asked me what I'm looking for. He says, uh, oh, I happen to hear your brothers say they're going this place. Like, okay, no worries. He got there, and they wanted to kill him. And he sold, got sold to Midianites a few verses later. His whole life turned around. He didn't even get back to his dad to report how his brother were doing. It was totally unexpected. But God's hand was in it, was it not? It was in it. So in life, we need to expect the unexpected. That's life. That's life. So we think about Ecclesiastes, and hopefully that's a bit of a bit of understanding for you as we think about this book. And it's a rich, rich book if you ever have a chance to read through it. And again, it's, not a, it's a book for contemplating. It's a book for thinking and to, to observe, for observation as, as you look through life through the lens of God's Word. As we think about these things, excel in the things of God. Let's, let's push forward. Let's do more for Christ. As we face this uh, second half of 2021, it's hard to believe this year's almost half over. Let's do more for Christ. Let's do more for Him. Let's enjoy life. Let's enjoy it. Let's have happy times and humorous times. You know, understand that merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And don't walk around like, you know, you've been, uh, you know, just in, in a bad mood all the time. You know, we need to, we need to, I'm not getting on anybody, but I'm just saying, you know, we, we need to enjoy life. And then expect the unexpected in life. And let God work his will in your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for Ecclesiastes. And, and Lord, we just scratch the surface of what, King Solomon has for us this evening, and Father, I just pray you help us as we deal with unexpected issues of life. It seems like uh, the more life goes on, the more they uh, tend to pop up, and Lord, we just need your guidance, we need your wisdom, we need your strength to deal with these things, and, and to uh, understand, Lord, that we need to look at life from things over the sun, and, uh, and we won't always live under the sun. And, uh, Lord, we know that heavens are home for those who are saved. And, Father, I just pray you help us, Lord, as we think about these things. Help us to go about our week uh, honoring you, living for you. And, Father, we thank you for this time. We pray these things in Jesus' name.